0: that if Onesimus ever showed back up and Philemon ever got a hold of him again that it was customary to treat him harshly even to the point of death. So he's appealing to him on the basis of relationship and he's appealing to his heart. And he tells him now Onesimus is not just, he's no longer just a slave that ran away. He is now a fellow brother in Christ. And I appeal to you to see him, regard him, and treat him as such. Are you hearing me? Formerly, when he ran away and he couldn't profit from him, formerly he was useless or um, unprofitable, unbeneficial to you. But now he is indeed useful to you And to me, I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Man, that is a mouthful there. (laughs) So, Paul personally would have preferred to keep him there because he was very helpful to him. Uh, If I remember correctly, um, Onesimus was important in delivering letters to Colossae, like to the Colossians, and um, I believe to Ephesus, to the Ephesians. He was very helpful in Paul's ministry and getting important truth where it needed to go. He ministered to him in his imprisonment. So Onesimus was of great help to Paul and he wants to know by being a help to Paul by extension he's also been a tremendous help to Philemon and others of the faith. So he's benefiting the people of God and he's helping advance the gospel but I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever no longer as a bond servant but more than a bond servant as a beloved brother especially to me, but how, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. You know, I look at that and on the one hand, we look at the various issues of the day and, and, and I know, uh, I don't always preach on the stuff that is, that's, that's easy to shout and, uh, you know, get us all excited and everything but uh, I preach what God puts on my heart and I believe what God has on my heart is is needful for our to be able to walk upright right walk in a manner worthy of the Lord in these difficult times and if we will walk in obedience to God in this way that our light will so shine among men and women in this world that they will see the works that are produced from it and glorify God and come to him, right? And so as some, sometimes we want to see compliance and we're okay with taking measures that force what ought to be an appeal to people's heart to where they're willingly coming and embracing the, the truth of God. I think that's important. A lot of times, even in these societal fights, in these societal struggles, and so forth, we, it's important that we not lose our perspective as to how God would have us to address these things. Um, I'll say that. I'll, I'll say this. I'll save this for later. But transformation—a transformation of the individual is key to the transformation of society. We want to change society, but what is society made of? Individuals, right? And so, we've got to minister and and catch one fish at a time and, and converting one fish at a time to the Lord. And the more converted individuals we have, the more people that are walking and being led by the spirit of God, the more people that are walking in faithful obedience to God, the better our society will be. Are you hearing me? I love what Paul, what Paul's did here, you know, for his personal benefit, it would have been better to keep him serving with him. But he didn't want to do anything out of out of uh, without uh, his about Philemon's consent cuz he realized the relationship and the injury or the uh, the offense that was committed by Onesimus against Philemon. There was a legal right there and there was there was profit that Philemon was deprived of. By Onesimus, and although Onesimus was a free man in Christ, that situation still had to be dealt with in wisdom and in love for the for the good of Philemon. And I love what he says here. For this, per- perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever not as a bond servant but more than a bond servant as a beloved brother especially to me but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord so if you consider me your partner receive him as you would receive me if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Right? So, he even addresses that. It's like, I know that there is some monetary loss that needs to be recouped. And if that is important to you in order for you to receive him, like I'm appealing to you and asking you to, if there is anything that you... That, that, that maybe he took with him on his way out or, uh, or or some loss that you can that you can substantively prove out substantively prove out then I am committing myself to making that right with you in the interest of this relationship that I'm of this appeal that I'm making to you you know Paul doesn't owe him anything and he started off by saying he has the authority to command him to do what is right in the Lord, and yet he 's appealing he 's making it palatable to him i 'm appealing to you this guy's a brother in Christ now he 's very near and he 's very dear to me, and i 'm sending him to you, and, and i 'm asking you to respect how dear he is to me and the fact that he is now a fellow brother in the Lord and I already hear plenty of testimonies of how well you're loving and serving the brothers and sisters of the Lord there, add him to the count. And if there's anything that needs to be satisfied, any um, wrong that needs to be satisfied, I'll repay it. Now, how many of you know that's going the extra mile? That That's putting his money where his mouth and his heart is. So, but he says, if you consider me your partner, So he appeals not only between the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus, but between Paul and Philemon. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. And I don't know fully what he meant by that, uh, I, you know, I believe Paul brought him to the Lord, just like he brought Onesimus to the Lord. And in that context, say, like you, you owe, you know, you, brother, you, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life <laughs> because I presented the gospel to you and you received it, right? And so, so you, you so, so, so there is a, there is a debt you owe me there. Yes, brother, verse twenty. I want some benefit from you in the Lord." refresh my heart in Christ remember he's been refreshing the other brothers and sisters refresh my heart in Christ confident of your obedience i write to you knowing that you will do even more than i say at the same time pre- prepare a guest room for me for i am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. I mean, they, they pretty much preach themselves. Uh, and I think the, the uh, you know, the truths in here are pretty, uh, pretty obvious as they, as they highlight themselves. But Paul wrote this letter in his own hand. He wrote it affectionately to a man that he had great respect to and love. And I will say this. It does not say at the end of Philemon what the conclusion of this was. It doesn't say that it was successful and that uh, Philemon received Onesimus as a brother and and, and didn't treat him harshly and so forth. Uh, What I will say, though, the fact that this epistle is included, was canonized and included in Scripture, suggests to me that it was a successful appeal. But I see a heart in this letter. A heart demonstrated by Paul and one that he is inviting Philemon to. He sets an example for us as brothers and sisters in Christ what can I learn from Paul in this? One, well, I can learn from Paul at the very beginning where if I find myself in what feels like a a prison or unfortunate circumstances, you know, I can uh, consider myself there by the will of the Lord. That rather than I'm imprisoned because of X person or Y person or whatever, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And by saying that, I am reminding myself that I am a servant of God wherever I find myself. And I am not forgotten. I am, it's not that God is not seeing me. I am not forgotten. I am not worthless in this. God can use me to great effect regardless of the circumstances. Paul was imprisoned, but he still was able to minister the gospel in a way that made people surrender their hearts to God and transform their lives. Onesimus committed a crime. He was a criminal. He was on the run. He was a fugitive. He found his way in prison. And he could have, and Paul could have looked at him as a criminal that was beyond saving, but he saw him as someone who Christ died for and who God loves. And and, 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 and Paul, no matter what the circumstances, he was going to minister the gospel to whomever, whenever, wherever the opportunity presented, presented itself. And I think we need to, that's one of the things that we can glean from this is our perspective in the midst of these trying times. That we're not just there and we shouldn't uh, pity ourselves in those moments. Uh, Whatever we, whatever negative feelings that we have, we deal with those. Take them to the Lord and position our hearts to, okay, God, I didn't want to be here, but I'm here and I'm yours here. What do you want to do in me and through me here? I'm not, uh, just a prisoner in Oklahoma prisons I'm a prisoner of the Lord so uh, you know so that's one and another thing that I wanted to highlight was what I've already covered uh, in this message before is that we need to not always rely on what authority we believe that we have and, and try to press or push people to conformity We need to be making an appeal based on God's truth. Especially to one another. Are you hearing me? This is one brother to another. I have the authority to command you to do this as an apostle, but I'm appealing to you. Let's reason together. I want you to do something not because I forced you to. I want to appeal to what I know is a good heart and give you an opportunity to do this out of love. I hope that 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 distinction there makes sense to you. The easy thing is to force compliance. It takes a little bit more work and it takes a little bit more humility to appeal to someone. To be stern, speak the truth in love, but appeal to someone and allow them to come into conformity with the truth. And in the end, Paul was willing to pay whatever debt was owed in order to make it even a more effective appeal for Philemon to do what he knew was in Philemon's heart to do. And I want to finish with that because I believe that Paul was emulating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he did that. Jesus often made his appeal as the Lamb of God who was going to suffer the the sin debt for man, suffer for the sin debt of mankind. He wasn't going to force man to accept his gift. It was a gift he presented as an appeal Be ye reconciled to God. Accept me as the son of God, as the lamb of God. I'm going to the cross for you. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Amen? And then Jesus went to the cross and paid that sin debt. And he ever intercedes at the right hand of the father for us. Amen? Amen? And so I believe that he was emulating Christ when he's willing to pay the price for Onesimus's sin. You know, and I wonder, you know, greater love has no man than that he laid down his life for a friend, right? And are we willing to pay the price to bring about reconciliation? Are we willing to pay? a price to help people surrender their hearts and be saved you know to advance the gospel of Christ and to bring about the salvation of those who don't know him are we willing to pay a price to be reconciled to one another I ask this because it's important that we think about these things. It's important that this is real and and and, and it's a priority to us. Because we can say all of the, we can quote every scripture. Uh, we can be eloquent in our presentation of the gospel. But how many of you know the best sermon that we can preach is our actions, how we live and conduct ourselves? Alright? The love of God that we display towards one another preaches a a more powerful sermon than if we teach, than if we taught using every scripture on love in the Bible and made that presentation as eloquently as possible. The people can see the love of God through us better than they can hear it from us. And how Paul conducted himself with Philemon, one was wise, it was shrewd, But it was laced with all kinds of love. Brother, I know what I'm asking you to do is a hard thing. And I could do the authoritative and unloving thing and command you to do it. But love compels me to make this an appeal to you. And in this appeal, I'm going to tell you a few things about Onesimus that I hope changes your perspective about him. I know what he did to you. I know how it must have affected you. And I know what the cultural norm is on how to deal with people who have done what he's done. But as from one man of God to another, I'm going to ask you to to bulk cultural norms. And I'm going to appeal to you to do what is right in the eyes of God. To do what will honor him. To do the loving thing yourself that i From the reports that I hear, I know you are a man who is motivated this way. I hear about nothing but your faith and your love. And so I'm appealing to that same heart. It's easier to love people who hasn't hurt you, huh? But what is the more powerful message to those who are observing us as we walk in this faith that we proclaim the ability to do which is not easy, that which is not the norm, that which bucks against cultural norm we love those who love us we've got nothing for those that don't (laughs) right you hurt me Mm -mm, I'm not giving you another shot I can forgive but I ain't forgetting and and, you know, I'm not going to, uh, to this, that. I mean, you can forgive and still remember, but oftentimes when we say that, we ain't really forgive. Right? <laughs> and so he's making that appeal to him buck, let, let, let's buck the cultural norm. Uh, let's not uh, be the typical slave master here. Uh, let's deal with this as three brothers in Christ. Me, the apostle Paul, who led both of you to the Lord. You who have been aggrieved by the other brother who has now become my son in the gospel. (laughs) How can we resolve this thing in a way that exalts God and, and glorifies him? How can, we, how can we do this thing that shows the love, the grace, the mercy, the character of our God in a way that will speak volumes and we can show conduct that if we do this and then we are discipling others to do this as the more people that we bring into this truth and we're walking in this truth, before we know it, we're transforming society one individual at a time. Uh, we didn't you know, we didn't, um, we, we didn't have to pass a new law. We didn't have to do anything to try and compel or force people. We dealt with people in the, at the core of themselves, the heart. And so they are governed by a greater law, the law of God's word. Amen. You know, led by the spirit. So, um, And that's the transformative effect of the gospel. The gospel transforms. Uh, Whether things are permitted or uh, by law or banned by law, law doesn't perform, law doesn't transform, the gospel does. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to just make an appeal to you myself because maybe maybe some of you here today have offended have done something against a brother or sister and and, and you in effect have done the Onesimus thing and run away and I don't know if you've had somebody in your life play the Paul role Uh, they've ministered to you Uh, but Paul did what with Onesimus he sent him back (laughs) he sent him back to Philemon he sent him back knowing that there was the possibility that things may not go well with him. With Philemon. He sent Onesimus back. And some of you may be, I meant to say Onesimus. You may be Onesimus, the one who has committed the offense or the sin and, and and you found yourself avoiding the individual whom you've offended and maybe God is speaking to you now you're going to have to go back you're going to have to face it you're going to have to resolve it in a way that's going to bring glory to the name of the Lord you're going to have to love the person you offended enough to humble yourself and, 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 uh, and appeal to them and, and uh, ask for forgiveness and do everything you can to bring reconciliation and there are others of you who are on the other side of that. You're the Philemon. It doesn't have to be a slave, slave master relationship. It just has to be a relationship. And maybe your heart has been hardened toward that individual. And God is going to bring that individual back to you, not for you to scold, not for you to rough up, not for you to shame, but to give you the opportunity to receive that person as a brother or sister in the Lord. And to overcome whatever the flesh wants to do and obey God in what God wants you to do in, in, in forgiving that individual and doing everything you can to bring about reconciliation. This, this is a way that if we conduct ourselves in this way in the church church, This is another way in which that light will shine out to the world to see how we can reconcile our differences. And we become an example, just like Paul was an example in this situation for Philemon and for Onesimus. And so I would implore you, I would implore you to surrender your hearts in this way. I would implore you that if there is some unresolved issues between you and another brother or sister that it become a priority for you to do what you can to reconcile that. To, to operate in love. We want to see society change. Well, society will begin to change as we change. As we begin to lead the way to change as we begin to walk in the things that God has called us to walk in we become examples to society of how society should follow in our footsteps and 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 be transformed they got to see that lived out in us and so things cannot be left unresolved we're gonna have to be willing to acknowledge our faults our mistakes our offenses that we have committed and have a humble hearts to be able to admit it, to own up to it, to apologize for it, to ask for forgiveness of those that we have done wrong. And on the other side, we're going to have to be equally gracious, equally loving, and see the offender not just as the offender, but as a brother or sister who may have wronged us, but that same redemption that we have for eternal salvation should be alive in us and, and we, it should be willingly um, uh, displayed, willingly expressed to those who have wronged us. Because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ while suffering on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, I'm in pain at their hand. Father, I'm dying at their hand, but I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to you. I'm begging you, forgive them. They don't fully grasp or comprehend the magnitude of what they're doing, yet they've done it nonetheless. That same Jesus, when one of the two thieves that had been mocking him decided to turn or decided to change his way and say, "When you come into your kingdom, remember me." was not vindictive at all he said surely today you'll be with me in paradise why does scripture have those, those instances in there it's, it's because he's modeling for us what it means to follow him what it looks like how we should handle situations like that though they slay me I still will honor God and forgive them I still will love them. Though I was aggrieved or offended, my heart still desires reconciliation. Because scripture says, by this shall the world know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for the other. So let the love of Christ that compelled him to die on the cross for us be alive and thriving in us. Let it issue forth from our hearts to one another. Let, love, let the love of Christ cover a multitude of sins. That the world can look at the church and see the genuine article. It's not that they're going to see perfection. They're not going to see a church free from disagreements and offenses and fights and all that. They're not going to see a church absent those things, but they're going to see a church that when those things occur, we're going to be examples of how we should resolve those things in the Lord. And the, the cultural norm is not the thing, it, it, it's not the standard that we should be going by. The the the, the norm that we should be going by is what thus saith the word of God. Hallelujah. And and you know, and so I'm just going to uh I'm just going to invite and to invite you up as a as a church family. We're just gonna commit ourselves before God. If you were just come to come come to the front, and we will end this thing in in prayer and just making a declaration to the Lord. I believe it's important that we commit ourselves to God in this way that we're going to conduct ourselves in the manner that pleases him and i'm I'm going to give each and every one before I close in prayer i'm going to give each and every one of you. Uh, an opportunity and a charge <laughs> I know I have even found myself being guilty being caught up in all the stuff that's going on in our country and around the world but particularly in our country and I find I have found myself having to to deal with uh, inappropriate attitudes and and, and thoughts and, and judgments and different things. In other words, I've I've found myself my heart pulled into what is the cultural norm, and it's affected my walk with the Lord. And so I've so I've had to sanctify. I've had to let God sanctify me, set myself apart with God, and have Him deal with me in that place. And I've had to repent before God. for doing those things and I can't be the only one I believe that all of us we live in this world we're supposed to be in the world but not of it and all of us can't help but be affected by uh but by all the information that we hear it's even worse now because we got social media so easily it's spread to us and it affects our minds and our thoughts and next thing you know our thoughts are driven not by the purity of God's word but it's driven by voices that are, that, are, that are not from the Bible Things that, our thoughts are driven by what's on our social media streams. Our thoughts are driven by what we're watching on the news and on TV and hearing on the radio and so forth and so on. Next thing you know we're not behaving like Christians in a way that uh, uh, in a way that our light is shining to the world we're, we're conforming to the world in too many ways of attitudes and feelings and emotions and thoughts. And and, 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 it's, and it's not doing the very people that we should be witnessing to any good. And so I believe God wants us to pull back from that, reassess. And here's an opportunity for us to, to basically, if we've been doing that, If we've been watching whatever our preferred news channel is and and, and we getting stuff off of our streams and so forth. And and we've not been taking that to scripture and and, and seeing what passed a scripture test or not. And and, and 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 eating the wheat and discarding the chaff. If we're not if we're not prioritizing what thus saith the word of God over that which may be appealing to our soul but is not biblical truth then we've got something to repent for and i want you to take advantage of that opportunity right now you know that's oh god i've been like philemon here you know i've been focused on these different parties or individuals who i feel aggrieved by and I have felt justified in judging and, and, and having these negative thoughts and attitudes towards. And I, I, I've not had a loving disposition towards any of these uh, people. And Father, but even more so, I have not taken all these things to you in my secret place, in my prayer closet. I have not taken these emotions, these thoughts, these feelings. I have not taken them to you and into your word so that, so, so that they can be filtered through your truth. I have not gone to you with it and said, God, what are you saying? Speak to me that I may obey here, Father. And so, I have not loved you well, Father. Because I'm supposed to love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength. So whether it's thoughts, whether it's feelings, whether it's emotions, whether it's perspectives, whether it's ideologies or any of that thing, I I should be loving you well and taking it to you. And in every instance, and if I haven't been doing that, then I repent. I stop that right now, Father God. I have not represented you as I should have. And I repent right now, Father God, and commit to representing you well, Father God. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to give I've done plenty of talking right now. I'm going to I'm going to allow space for each of us to let God convict us where we're at but and and give you an opportunity to repent before God and and make that commitment to him that you're going to prioritize him your relationship with him what he says, what his word says. Let's just do that before God. Hallelujah. Father God, I thank you for the transformative work that goes on in us, Father God, as a result of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. We Thank you for your salvation. Thank you that you saved to the utmost. Father God, Uh, Romans 12, your word says that we should be not conformed to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And and Father God, uh, we we want your gospel to transform us. Not just in outward appearance, not just when we know eyes are on us, but to transform us from the inside out. Transform us in our hearts, transform us in our attitudes, transform us in our feelings, transform us in our thoughts, transform us in what we choose to consume, Father God. I just pray that you would convict us and make us more discriminating as to what we take in um, as authoritative in our lives, Father. We don't want to be conformed. We want to be transformed. And Father God, convict us mightily, Father God. Give it, bring conviction upon us to do those things necessary, Father God, to cooperate with that transformation. <laughs> Father, it's not, we're just not going to be transformed by doing the things that the world does and just trusting that you're going to transform us. No, we have to be intentional, Father God to be in your word we have to be intentional father god to be in your presence father god to have quiet time with you we have to be intentional father god that that your word is authoritative father and that we're going to follow the example of christ and and of those apostles father god that we see that we see how they lived out and walked out the gospel truth in their lives you've given them to us as examples and, Father God, may your bride, your church, follow in the footsteps of Jesus, of, of, of Jesus and, of his, and of his apostles, Paul, Peter, and, and the like, that, 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 that we may be a reflection of you in this day, in this time, that you've called us to be and live in. Because what's going to matter for eternity is not who wins One legislative fight or another or what laws are passed and what aren't or how uh, law enforcement enforces the law and all these other things all that stuff you know is not going to last but what will matter for eternity is who came to Christ and who didn't and father let that be our priority father that you've called us you've commissioned us to make disciples of all men from every ethnicity from every nation father God throughout the globe you've called us to make disciples and to teach them to observe all that you have commanded how can we teach those to observe all you have commanded if we're not walking in all you've commanded so father God I just pray that you mature us and grow us enlarge our perspective father God and uh, just as you did for Philemon um, as Paul made that appeal to him and wherever there's reconciliation that's needed within the body, let that happen, Father God. And, and 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 let us become like Paul as disciples of Christ Jesus. Let us become like Paul that wherever we find ourselves, in whatever circumstances we are dealing with, no matter what, we are your servant. We will... <clears throat> we will be your kingdom people and we're going to consider we're going to consider that you've allowed us to be in that situation because you want to use us to bring somebody to the lord and we will say yes to you god in that situation our flesh may not want any part of it but in the spirit we will humble ourselves before you and say lord what would you have us do here uh, my objective is to be a witness for you in this prison, a witness for you in this difficult circumstance, a witness for you in this pit. <laughs> uh, until until you see fit to release me from it, I will be a vessel of honor for you. And We thank you for this, Father God, and we just say be glorified in us and through us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.